You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Amen. Yes, he is. He's a way maker. Promise keeper. Come on, Land Lakes. He's a promise keeper. Temple Terrace, Land Lakes, Luke's, Ebor, Carrollwood, Clearwater. Come on. He is a miracle worker. South Tampa. Those watching online, I'm telling you, if that song doesn't fire you up, because some of you, you don't see him working. I don't see God working. He's working. Do not let go of your faith. Amen? Hold on. We're going to talk about faith today, and I'm praying, one thing I'm praying, that God would inspire you to believe again, to trust Him again, to not give up, to keep believing that God is working when we don't see him working. So tell someone next to you, every campus, he's still working. All right, all right. You may be seated. Listen, I have video. I didn't get my workout in today, so I'm going to get my workout in real quick. Um, actually, we're going to talk on faith and faith in tough times. And when I think about faith, I, I think faith is like a muscle. And, and, and you need to really develop that muscle. See, faith is built through resistance. You know, if you don't have resistance, there's no need for faith. And, and in fact, working out with weights, I know this much. I'll, I'll start with this one. This is a real big one here. I just know this, this is, this, when, you, when you work out, you're, you're building resistance, right? Now, hopefully you get beyond this, right? Hopefully your faith is bigger than this. But maybe, maybe, you, get, maybe you get to this one. And you just know this, when you work out weights, what, what, one thing, I used to work out a lot a long time ago, not lately, and, and you work out, you do your workout, you know, and this is curls, and this is gonna develop the bicep, supposedly, right? So you have some big guns on you, right? So you're doing this, you, and then after you do like two of these workouts, you do Monday and Wednesday, two workouts, you go, you go to the mirror, why isn't this working? Is that what you do? Of course it's not working. You can't just try it. You can't just work out two days and do four sets and six reps and think that I'm going to have biceps. No, it's something you got to continue to do consistently. Faith is the same way. You don't just try faith. Why? Well, I, I tried it. One time I, I tried. I tried to trust God and it didn't work out. You, you don't try faith. You live a life of faith. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live a life of faith, and a life of faith will have resistance and challenges and trouble, and when you do, you go, you know what? I got 20 pounds of trouble, but I'm gonna be okay today. I'm just gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep trusting. God is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm not gonna go by what I feel or what I see, and as you begin to continue to believe, and repeat and be repetitive about the promise of God, several things will happen. First, you'll feel a burning because trusting God is painful sometimes. When you're actually working out weights, that, that burn feeling, the muscles are tearing to rebuild new muscles. So in the midst of your faith journey, there will be pain, but you push through it. You continue to believe. You continue to hold on and say, God, I'm, I'm gonna trust you. That's what faith is a muscle. Here's what the Bible says faith is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What? Assurance about something I can't see? Yeah, that's what faith is. 
Believing something you still can't see. Believing something that hasn't happened yet. Believing something beyond the circumstance you're facing. That's what faith in God is. We all have faith, by the way. All of us have it. It's just how much are you developing it? Like if I said in this room or on our campuses, how many believe you're going to heaven? I'd raise my hand. Anybody know? I believe I'm going to heaven. If you're not sure, you can be sure. You can have full assurance without ever seeing heaven. Why? Because of the promise of Jesus. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Those who believe in me will never die. They will live forever. I claim the promise of God, even though I've never seen heaven. I've never seen it, but I know I'm going there. So that's assurance of something you haven't seen. So, so you have faith. How many of you fly on airplanes? Anybody fly? Yeah. How many understand how that plane really works? I don't know how a plane gets off the ground. I, I don't understand. There's certain things I don't understand, but I have faith anyway. I don't understand the aerodynamics. I don't understand the engineering, the thrust and the power and the lift it takes to get that plane off the ground, but I trust and believe those that, that, that build it. So we all have faith. So Romans 10 says, where does faith come from then? Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I'm gonna say this, we love you. You build faith by believing in, trusting in, and reading about God and his promises and his character and his faithfulness and who he is. That's how you build faith in your life. We build faith by knowing the reputation and the track record of who he is. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Some of you have friends you have a lot of faith in. You know why? They've proven themselves to you. You can count on them. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, will you be there at eight tomorrow morning to help me move this piano? You don't even have to question. You know at eight tomorrow morning they will be there because they've proven themselves to you over the years. I mean, have a few friends like that? Do you have a few friends you can just call and you never worry about if they're going to show up or not? Hi, well, some of you don't have those kind of friends. You know, but they're trustworthy. How much more trustworthy is God? He always shows up. He's always on time. He's always faithful. How do I know that? I've read about him. I see time and time again the interaction of God and man, how God works through people and how God is a God, a big God who, who helps the underdog. They should rename the Bible the book of underdogs because people face incredibly impossible situations, but they connect with their faith with God and it's amazing what happens. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then fear also comes by hearing. I can prove that to you. Just watch the news every day for the next 10 days. All the instability, craziness going on, it can put fear in you. If you keep listening to it, it'll cause so much fear in you, you just start freaking out. I can go off in another direction, I won't. Uh, you know, I, I will, I'm just gonna say it, I can't help it. I can't help it. People, this whole climate anxiety thing, huh? Make up words. Listen, man, I, I believe God is sovereign. He's in control. I want to be the, as best I can for our environment, but I'm not going to have climate anxiety. That's getting way too far out there. We start believing and listening to things that cause so much fear and anxiety. And when God says, no, 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 there's a way that you can have faith and have peace in the midst of trouble. And I want to talk about how do we have faith in tough times. I'll give you a perfect example why unbelief and fear will keep you from the promise of God. In Numbers, Moses had just 
delivered the people from Egypt. They crossed through the Red Sea. They're in the desert. God promised Moses and the people a land called Canaan, a land full of milk and honey. It's yours. I've given it to you. All you got to do is go take it. Seems pretty simple, right? God gave a promise. He parted the Red Sea. What happens? They're in the desert. He sends 12 spies to Canaan. Ten of them come back and say to all the people, there's about a million people, oh no, we can't do this. There's giants in the land. They look really mean. There's some big mean dudes. The walls are big. We can't win this battle. We're going to die. Two came back and said, oh, we can take this land because God is with us. The million of people, they listened to the majority of the ten, and they all were seized with fear, it says in Numbers. They all got afraid, and guess what happened? Their unbelief kept them in the desert for 40 years. Only two guys made it to the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, those who believed the promise of God. Do not be left in the desert because of unbelief in your life. God has something better for you. God has a place, he, there's a place God wants to take us, but, but we, have to, we have to do our part. We need to trust and have faith and believe. You can tell I'm a little fired up because I just want us to have faith again. I want us to believe again. I want us to believe in a big God again. So when life gets tough, man, I want to believe in the reputation of God and his character. So when life gets tough, we're going to take the story of Abraham. And, it's, and I'm going to just do the summary from Romans. Romans gives the Reader's Digest story of what happened in the Old Testament with Abraham. So if some of you do not know, Abraham, God gave Abraham a promise. He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And actually the nation of Israel came from Abraham and his seed. So he gives this promise to Abraham when he's 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 65. So God gives him this promise. Listen, Abraham is the blueprint of how do we trust God when we don't see him working? And here it is. There's just four things. If you can begin to apply these in your life, it'll rebuild your faith. It'll give you faith that possibly, I, I can't do 45 anymore. Ooh, no, I can't. I was going to try it. I used to be able to do that, but you know what happened? Because I, I, I stopped working out, like maybe times we stop believing, our faith weakens or we get disappointed. God doesn't do something we thought he should do and it erodes our trust and our faith in him. Anyway, remember how big God is. That's the first thing Abraham did. In 4.17, Romans 4.17, it says this. This is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. That was the promise. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. Who is your God? How big is your God? That's how big Abraham's God was. He can bring things back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's who Abraham believed in, a big God. How big is a God that you believe in? Let me tell you, he's way bigger than what we trust him with sometimes. We need to begin to develop that muscle to believe God can do big things. Second thing we know that Abraham did, he relied on God's promise or promises. It says in Romans 4, 18, here he's, he's given us a review of the story of Abraham and, and how he had to trust. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, think about this, Abraham kept hoping. 
Why would Abraham keep hoping when there was no reason for hope in the natural circumstances, what you could see or feel? He kept hoping and believing that he would become the father of many nations. His hope was tied to a promise which kept him believing. Then he says, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So every time that doubt would come, every time he would look at Sarah and go, man, she's like 80 now and I'm 90. He would go back and remind himself of the promise of God. That's how you keep hoping. That's how you keep believing. You focus on the promise of God. And there is no hope. God is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He is a miracle worker. We just sang that song. It's a powerful song, but it's a song of faith because some of you right now, your faith journey is at a dead end. I mean, it looks hopeless. It looks dead. This doesn't look like it's going to happen. The company, the business, the marriage, my prodigal son or daughter, it just things are, I just don't see any hope. Well, welcome to this club. That's where Abraham was at. But he chose to hold fast to the promise of God in his life. He knew the promise. God's a way maker. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the third thing, not only did he rely on God's promise and hold on to it, I, I, in your next point, know the facts but still believe the promise. I'm not saying you deny the facts. Abraham wasn't denying the facts. He wasn't saying uh, he knew who he was. In fact, it says here, and Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age. Now he's 100. It's been 25 years since the promise God made him. Can you see the struggle? Can you see the battle? And he says this, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. I mean, hey man, the facts are, I don't even know if we can do it again. Did I just say that in church? Yeah. <laughs> There's no Viagra back then. Hey, this is get real church, Grace Family Church, okay? He says, I was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Come on guys, focus again, here we go. <laughs> Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Our faith in God to do the hard thing brings glory to him. 25 years since the promise. It seemed to be a major delay going on. Don't let delays discourage you from trusting in the promise. I don't know why there are delays sometimes, but there are delays. Don't get stuck in the delay. Keep believing. Don't go by a feeling or what you see or can't see. Faith is not a feeling. And so what we need to do is when we're in that delay stage, when we're in that stage where you're waiting on God to fulfill his promise, what do you do? You just keep building your faith. You just, you're, you're, you don't deny the facts, but you say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm gonna keep believing the promise. I'm gonna keep trusting the promise. I'm not gonna look at what I see. God, I believe who you are, that you are a way maker. You are a promise keeper, amen? That's who you are, God. You're a way maker. You're a promise keeper. God, I'm gonna keep trusting you. 
God, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting right now. It's starting to burn a little bit. I'm starting to feel this, but Lord, I'm gonna keep trusting. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna abandon my faith. God, I know that you will make it happen for me. I'm gonna keep trusting. Listen, folks, 10 more. <laughs> Get that guy, no. Here, here's, here's what I know. For me, in my house, no matter what the outcome is or what I don't see in a moment, I'm gonna die believing God. I'm gonna die believing in the promise of God. I, I, you know what, and you know what, in the Bible, some people did die without receiving the promise, but they said, I'm gonna keep believing in who God is. And some of us, we're at a dead end, we're at a crossroads, we're in a tough place. The worst thing you can do is abandon your faith the worst thing you can do is say, I'm, I'm, I just can't trust God anymore. I don't see him working. Listen, that is not the place you wanna go because that keeps you in the desert. God is a faithful God. I've seen the hand of God, the faithfulness of God in the last 40 something years of my life and I'll share that in a few moments. But Abraham knew the facts, but he still believed the promise. For he knew this, he, he knew God has power to do what he promised. Abraham said this, he, or they, they summarized it, they said about Abraham, he was fully convinced, fully convinced at 100 years old, Sarah's 90 years old, her, Sarah, her, her, her womb, and, and he's good as dead, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. That's the good news about faith in our God, he has all power, all authority, he can do anything, nothing's impossible for our God, that's who I'm gonna believe in. I'm gonna believe in a God who was raised from the dead. When everyone said it's over, Christianity is not gonna happen, they crucified him, he's in the grave, three days go by, but let me tell you, after three days he was raised from the dead, and it changed everything, didn't it? It changed everything. God can raise up dead things. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised, despite the circumstances. So what happened during all this? One time when Abraham first told Sarah, hey, guess what, God told me something, that we're gonna have a child. He was 75 and she was 65. The Bible says Sarah laughed. <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah, crazy faith. That's what I'm talking about right now. There's, I believe God has crazy faith. I believe he wants us to have crazy faith sometimes to go, wait, I don't care what the world's saying, I don't care what they're feeling, I know God spoke, I'm gonna hold on to the promise of God. When your faith journey looks like a dead end, I remember for me, some of you know part of this story, but you're talking about having no hope. Debbie, my wife, who's now my wife, been 43 years. When I was 19 years old, she began to share her faith with me about Jesus. I didn't care about Jesus, didn't want to know Jesus. I was a hellraiser in Tampa, but this pretty girl started talking to me, so I said, I'm gonna listen. Three months later, I give my life to Christ, and I'm thinking, this is perfect. What a storybook ending. She leads me to Christ, we'll get married. That's what my plan was. Three or four months after I came to know the Lord, Debbie told me one day, hey, guess what? Uh, you're not the one for me. Huh? No, no, this isn't gonna work. I'm glad you know Jesus, but I'll see you in heaven. But this is about it for us. I'm, I'm just, that's literally, I'm like, talking about being confused. Anybody been confused on your faith journey? I was confused. 
And I remember a week later, I said, well, maybe, maybe she was just, maybe I'll give her a second chance. And I went to her about a week later. I said, hey, Debbie, I just want to, is there any chance or is this like, no way? She goes, no way. But you know what? I knew this about God. I knew enough about him to know he was a faithful God. And regardless of what the outcome would be with Debbie, he was going to take care of me. He was going to provide for me. And I was going to be okay. I really had faith in a moment. And I just said, I'm going to trust you. I don't, I'm saying I didn't have hurts or disappointments, but don't let your disappointment with God keep you from your next appointment. And some of us, we're still in the desert of disappointment and God's wanting to do something, but we've stayed there disappointed in God. And when you disappoint him, you'll miss the appointment he has for you. And some of you know the story, a year later, she saw the light. We ended up getting married in that 43 years. Yeah, good stuff. But here's the, other, here's the other thing. So we're on our faith journey together now, and I had a dream. Anybody have a dream? I had a dream, man. I, I, I still didn't figure out what I was doing in my life, but I, I love sports, and I was, used to practice kicking field goals a lot. And I went out and said, you know what, David? I feel like God wants me to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is in like 1982 or 81, something like that. We had just gotten married. And so I'm training. I'm training to, to kick for the Buccaneers, but they don't know who I am. And one time I snuck out on the practice field hoping they would security guard would see me and go, hey, that guy's a kicker, and they would call in the, you know, the scouts. No, they just kicked me off the field. They escorted me off the field. But anyway, I ended up by a miracle getting a tryout with the Bucks. John McKay is still the coach. I walk in the office and this is a dream. God's going to use this platform. I'm going to tell people about Jesus when I kick that winning field goal. That was my dream. Sounds like God to me, right? And I remember that I went in there to the application and they finished the application. So they said, we got one problem. I said, what? They go, you're not old enough to play in the NFL. 19, I wasn't old enough. I didn't know. I didn't know the rule at the time. So here my dream is shattered. But you know what? That was maybe my dream, but God had something better for me. See, what looks like a dead end to you, God always has another road. He's a way maker. He's a way maker. God made another way. A few months after that, God, what do you want me to do with my life? He goes, I've called you to preach to young people. And that's where I started. I started as a youth pastor. Debbie and I, I pastored young people for 12 years, but it never would have happened. But, but, but at that dead end moment where I thought it was a dead end and my dream was shattered, God had another dream for me. And God has a dream for you. It may not be your dream, but God has a dream for your life. I don't believe there's a dead end for us that have faith. It's just God makes another way. I can go on. I, I remember Debbie and I married and we started having our kids. We have Dara and Brent. I think they're like four and five. We're living in this like thousand square foot home, you know, one and a half baths. This is really tight. And at the time, uh, she was part-time and I was a youth pastor, not making much money. And we knew we needed a bigger house. And we were 15 miles from where we worked. We wanted to get on that side of town. And, and we started trying to figure it out. We figured all the facts out. When I got all the facts out, I said, this is impossible. I don't make enough money to qualify for the type of loan I need to build the kind of house I need to have. And so we're like stuck, like what's going on? And at the same time, our church is doing a building campaign, fundraiser, and I, Debbie and I felt that we were supposed to give towards this campaign. In the midst of this giant need we had, we felt, no, we're gonna give. And I'm like, where are we gonna even get that? Because 
But we said, no, we're gonna trust God's gonna somehow do this. Well, at the time, I was a part-time real estate agent and a youth pastor, and I wasn't making much in real estate, but right when we made that commitment and that stand and believing God for that is when a miracle happened, a coincidence of, I walked into a real estate deal that paid me $35,000 back in 1980, I don't know, 88, nine, I'm trying to think of how old Dara is right now. Somewhere in 1990, 91, all I know is I computed that to today's dollars, $100,000 today. So back, it was a $100,000 deal, so here I am. God, I walk into this deal, I'm a part-time agent. Because of that deal, I was number one real estate in the, in the company that year, number one. And I was only part-time. God can do anything. And I remember giving the campaign that we had pledged and we had enough down payment for a builder to build us a home and he owner financed it. It was a miracle. It looked like a dead end. I mean, the facts did not line up. There's no way this is gonna happen, but God is a way maker. Folks, I'm telling you, he is a way maker in your life. Do not let go of your faith. Do not abandon your faith, man. <laughs> it was an amazing story. You know, I, I could tell you a dead end, uh, another dead end we had, a Carrollwood campus. Some of you don't know the backstory. It's our campus on Waters Avenue. It was our first multi-site campus. We're right there, Temple Terrace, real close, both of them, but. And I remember we had made an offer and they accepted the offer. I was dealing with these New York attorneys and they were already very, very, they were just hard to work with. And, uh, but they, they accepted the deal. I went to our bank and said, hey, we got the deal. Here's what we need to get the loan. And our bank said, who's been our bank for like years, said, we're not loaning any more money to nonprofits. I said, what do you mean? He goes, we can't honor this contract. I said, what do you mean? We're not gonna give you the loan. I called the bank back. I called the, the attorneys back. Hey, um, we can't do the deal. And they were, they were really upset. That's why we don't work with churches. They're always, and I was just embarrassed. And so I, I, we walk away from that. I go, God, what's going on here? We need to build this campus. We know you called us to do this. We heard the promise, the word. God, this is what we're supposed to do. And nothing's happening. Nine months later, I'm, walk, I'm getting back from Daytona summer camp and that, that, that inner voice that we have, it just said, I want you to go and make an offer on that property again. I've told you, you're gonna have that building. And I went, go tell those guys again? They don't wanna hear from me. He goes, and you're gonna pay cash for it. You're gonna get all the church, our little bit of reserve we had. I got with my board of directors. They would bring us down to like nothing. And they said, let's all do it. We even had private uh, uh, equity lines on our homes in case we needed to make, pay. I mean, it's that close to making payroll. But we stepped out and said, okay, we're gonna do this. And then God gave me the other one. He goes, and by the way, your next offer is gonna be a million dollars lower than your first offer. I said, well, that's stupid. <laughs> they already don't like me. I call up, they have a group of attorneys who are on a phone conference call. And I said, hey, and they go, hey, aren't you the guy that nine months ago? And I said, yeah, and what are you doing calling us again? I said, well, we, we're gonna make an offer. Well, what's different? I said, we're gonna pay cash for it. He goes, oh, okay. That's good, I said, but the offer is a million dollars less. He said, why would we wanna do that? I said, because the million that we save will put back, it'll be something that will obviously be used to help our community. Every million we save helps us to go and serve our community better. They got real quiet on the phone. They were very aggravated. They said they'd call me back in 24 hours. 24 hours later, they call me back and say, you got a deal. Uh, God's a way maker, I don't, I don't they don't even know why they did it. But God can change the heart of a man. God can change the situation. He's a way maker. I don't understand it. 
The fiery furnace, we know that story, right? The three Hebrew children, they don't bow to King Nebuchadnezzar and they go, okay, come, come see the king. They, they go to see the king. King says, we're gonna give you one more chance. You need to bow down. If you don't bow down to me, I'm gonna throw you in that fiery furnace. And they said, king, we can't bow to you. We serve one God. And their faith was being tested. And then they said something very interesting. They said, king, oh king, we're not gonna bow to you. We know that our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your gods. My question to you is this, even when God doesn't come through the way we think we, he should come through, do we still have faith in him? These Hebrew kids said, either way, we're not gonna bow. And we know the story, right? They threw him in the fiery furnace. A fourth man shows up, which was God in the form of an angel. Not even, a, not even their clothes weren't even singed. The king looks and goes, he looks in the window, oh, what's going on? He pulls him out and he saw this miracle of faith, this courage these men had. And he said, everyone from this day forward in my kingdom is gonna serve their God. God always gets glory when we show big faith, amen? He always gets glory. Now here's a part I want you to read with me that we need to understand. This is where we misunderstand faith sometimes. This is where we really gotta listen to this. There are times in our faith, the outcomes may not be what we think they should be, but we still have and die in faith. That's what Hebrews 11 says. It's the hall of fame of faith, and it says this. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Woo, I love that kind of faith, don't you? Where we all escape and we're all delivered and God's good and God, woo, it's good whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And you're like, man, that is faith. That's the kind of faith I want. And that's what faith will do. Faith will do those things. But then it goes, and there are others who are even tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. So their faith ended in death. They weren't rescued. They weren't delivered. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all, everyone say all. Even those who died by the sword that were tortured, they all died in faith. That's what we gotta get. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had promised. I believe that faith is a very powerful thing that God wants to use in our lives. In fact, the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. You got, it's impossible. Faith pleases God when you don't care about what it looks like, doesn't matter what you feel, doesn't matter what the circumstances are, you say, God, I'm gonna hold on to the promise. Let me tell you something, God stands up in heaven and goes, come on, keep believing. That's our God. And then I, I could tell you personal stories. My dad, everybody that knows the Lord wants their family to know Jesus. We know that heaven and hell are realities. And sometimes it's hard to believe and have faith for our own family, isn't it? Because we know them. 
you know them. You go, man, that guy is so hard. My dad was married four times. Hard, arrogant, rough guy. He loved me, loved us, good dad, but he was crazy. He's getting in bar fights. He arm wrestled in bars for a living. This crazy dude, okay? I try to tell him about Jesus. I give him a Bible for Christmas several times. Never opened a book. At the end of his life, he had emphysema. At the end of his life, his house burned down. He barely escaped. He was in the ICU burn unit at Tampa General. He had emphysema. Now the smoke's in his lungs. He's this close to death. And I'm saying, God, you, he, he can't die. You said in your word, you and your household shall be saved. That your, your will is for all men to be saved. I've been praying for my dad's salvation. You've promised me. God, he can't die. He gets out of rehab. As soon as he gets out, probably a month or two later, he calls me on the phone. This is a man who never wanted to talk about Jesus or religion. He calls me on the phone and says, I want your sister and your wife to come over. I regret my life. I need Jesus. That's my dad. Go over, man. Need salvation. I mean, comes to Christ. It's so cool. Personal stories. I remember my brother. I didn't even get permission for this. Hopefully he'll be all right because I'm going to tell him my brother here. He goes to our South Tampa campus. Older brother, he's, my, my, I'll, I'll be nice about it. I'll do the PG version. Here we go. He's on his third marriage and he's getting ready to lose marriage and all of them were his fault, by the way. All the divorce were his fault. He sits on the front row of the South Tampa campus now every week. So, but he calls me, he says, I don't know what to do. I've screwed up. I said, yeah, you have. I, I, what do I need to do? I said, Wayne, to save your marriage first, you need, to, you, need to, you need Jesus. You need to be sitting on the front row, hearing God's word. You need to give Jesus your life. You need to go to counseling, and then you just do those two things, and then just let God do the rest. And, and Wayne, man, on the front row every weekend, going to counseling, and, uh, and I'm telling you, it was a miracle. About eight, eight months later, God restores his marriage. I mean, restores it. And, and, uh, and that was 10 years ago. He's involved in the church. They've actually led small groups, married groups. I mean, he's not perfect, but he's saved. He's redeemed. He loves Jesus Christ. And, and, he, and it's, just, it's good to see a miracle in your own family. God is a promise keeper. He's a way maker. When there seems to be no way, God can do these things. Jesus said it this way, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So what looks impossible for you right now? Jesus said, won't you have some crazy faith? What's impossible with man is possible for God. Don't let your unbelief limit what God wants to do in you, through you, for you. Jeremiah 32, I love this, verse 17 and then verse 27. Oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. That's always a good place to start when you're believing God to do something big. He created this world in six days. Your situation is not too big for God. Nothing is too hard for you. This is the writer saying, man, you made all that. Nothing's too hard for you, God. And the God kind of answers him in verse 27. I am the Lord. The God of all mankind is anything too hard for me. And the word is no, nothing's too hard for God. So what is your struggle? 
What is the journey of faith that you're on right now and you feel like you're at a dead end? You could be at a struggle. Maybe it's a, a relational struggle. It doesn't look good maybe in your marriage or your, or your finances or, or maybe you're in this situation with a son or daughter that seems so far away from God or, or, or faith and, and they're your, your prodigal son or daughter. God has a promise for you. The parable of the prodigal son is the promise we hold on to. The prodigals come home. How many know the prodigal can come home? Your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter. Listen, God wants them saved more than you do. Continue to believe, claim the promise of God. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a business or something. Maybe it's just you've been disappointed and you need to reconnect with him. You've, you've let disappointment keep you in this place of unbelief and it's time to reclaim your faith, to reclaim that promise that you've been believing for. Maybe your dream has been shattered, but God has another place, another dream, another purpose for your life. God as a restorer. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna sing this song on all the campuses. I love this song. We sang it earlier. It's a song of faith. It's a song of, of declaring that he is still a way maker. He's still a promise keeper, amen? I mean, he, he, he keeps his promises. He's a, he can do these things. God is able. We need to keep believing. And so everyone, come on, every campus, stand right now. Just stand with us. And as we sing this song, don't sing it from your head. Don't just do one of these little, he's a way maker, promise keeper. No, I want you to go, man, for me and my life and my situation, God, I need you to be a way maker. God, I'm gonna claim the promise of God for my situation. I don't care what I feel, what I see, God's word supersedes it. God, today, I believe, no matter how long the delay has been, you're gonna do it, God. Man, claim your faith again. Be bold in your faith. Don't back up, don't give in. Don't, don't stop believing, man. Are you ready to sing this and believe and claim? Maybe on every campus that so you can sing it from your chair, but if you wanna come to the front and say, you know, I'm making my, I'm staking my claim right now in the promise of God for my life. Come on to the front and claim it for your life. Every campus, come on, let's sing this together. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.